This is Season 5, Episode 22 of JV to the Pros. I'm your host, Jack Vecchio, and we're going to get into a lot, a lot, a lot of topics today. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to be covering some very, very funny results of the national cell phone alert system that was tested out about a week ago in which everybody's cell phone had to be um, alerted and then you had to click OK that you got the alert. I'm going to tell you some some funny fallout that happened as a result of that um, test. I'm going to also tell you that um, I could not step aside of Florida and more stupidity. And yeah, here it comes. I'm just going to say it, okay? Um, give me a chance to tell you some some really funny stories. I've got an update on the situation with the CEO and the COO of that Humane Society in Florida because, um, yeah, yeah, it hit the fan with those guys, I'm going to have to tell you. I'm also going to talk about um, the wild card round of the baseball playoffs. I'm going to tell you something that I don't know. I don't know that this has happened in a long time. And there's been a couple of things that happened in the world of baseball that have not happened in a long time. And one thing happened in the playoffs this year that has never happened before in the history of baseball and I'll explain all that to you in a little while we're also going to talk about the NFL and by the way the great Gerardo will be joining us that's right the great Gerardo will be telling us what he thinks about what's going on with football and what he thinks should be happening especially with Caleb Williams coming out of USC who looks like he is going to be the chosen one as the first pick in the first round of the draft come April. Um, this guy is killing it at USC. I just awesome. I mean, I, I don't follow college football that much, but we're going to also talk about maybe the biggest blunder that ever happened in college football. It may have been the biggest blunder I've ever seen happen in football, period. I'm going to talk to you about... Um, a celebrity that I reported on a couple of weeks ago who was getting divorced after 27 years of marriage, a very popular celebrity who, sadly, I found out the reason, the probable reason that he's getting divorced. And, um, and let me tell you what ended up happening in the wake of his divorce, which was real quick, real sudden. I mean, nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw them having any problems. And then all of a sudden, they're getting divorced, and it's a done deal. So we've got a lot to talk about. I can't wait for Gerardo to come on the show and um, and talk, to, talk about that. But uh, we're going to cover a lot of stuff, so let's get started. So the first thing I want to cover is kind of a funny story. I'm, I've been to Pennsylvania. I've actually been there with my wife, producer Karen, the queen of queens. And we went to the various areas. And of course, I had to get a shirt for one of the areas called Intercourse, Pennsylvania. And I, I think they have some other names of the area where the Amish live over there. And it's just, it's just hilarious. But um, the Amish community prides themselves on the fact that they do not 
use any electronics. Everything they do, they build, they, they do it basically caveman style. And they don't drive cars. They don't use computers. They don't do any of this stuff, supposedly. Well, about a week ago, there was a national warning system test of all cell phones across America. And I think this had something to do with the fact that the Hamas had attacked Israel and this and that. And uh, America wanted to be able to make sure that they were going to be able to provide some sort of a warning system for our country. So they decided we're going to test everyone's cell phone and make sure that you get the alert. So they did a test alert. And in the Amish community, nobody is supposed to have or use phones because that's electronics. Well, they don't watch the news because many of them don't have TVs. So they didn't know this system was coming. So everybody's walking around with those, those long black outfits and everything covering up. But people did not know that they had... <laughs> that they had cell phones hidden inside their outfits. So when the national test came along, all of a sudden, loads of cell phones began going off and the Amish community ended up ousting several members of their community in Pennsylvania as a punishment for breaking the rules. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, I, I have been there, and it looked like everybody, everybody was breaking the quote-unquote rules. But several members of the Amish community were asked to leave and not return. You're on your own. And I don't know how these people are supposed to survive when they really don't have any money. And what are you going to put on a resume? Amish. I mean, what do, you, what do you put on a resume? I can build a barn, but I'll need 60 people helping me. What are you going to put on a resume? Hey, you know what? I can drive a horse-drawn carriage. Oh, yeah. And they'll be like, fine. If we build a time machine and turn it back to 1860, you're in business. So these people have just been asked to pack up their stuff with their cell phone and leave. So I thought that was a, a, a an odd turn of events because if they if they knew they could have just shut their phones off for that day and then turned it back on when nobody was around well <laughs> that um to me was was something i did not did not see coming at all so we've got a couple of couple of florida crimes i'll get those out of the way now let's just do this florida pastor oh yeah this guy is a pastor, Robert Dell, age 57, faces multiple charges for running an organized retail crime ring. Dell used his, his pastor position at a halfway house to get people who were staying at the halfway house to get their lives together to go to a Home Depot and some big box stores and steal for him. Well... When all the smoke cleared and they checked the UP, UPC numbers of all the stuff, he'd been having people who were at this halfway house steal for him. This is a pastor steal for him since 2016, and he has racked up profits 
of somewhere around three and a half million dollars in stolen items that he was selling on eBay. Yeah, and he was pocketing all of this money. So Robert Dell, a Pinellas County preacher, is accused of operating a multi-million dollar theft ring and faces charges including racketeering and dealing in stolen property. I mean, it's just, I don't even know, I don't even know what to say, but the investigation revealed that Dell's co-conspirators stole from Home Depot stores five to six times a day. They were sending these, you would think the, the security would be like, wait a second, Weren't they just in here earlier? But let me just tell you, I did a little research to find out what this pastor's eBay account was. I hope you're sitting down because his eBay account, the name was Anointed Liquidator. <laughs> it's like he was the anointed liquidator <laughs> i mean okay he's got a little bit of a sense of humor <laughs> i mean he's the anointed liquidator i i don't I, I was sitting there like come on i mean this is this is amazing well dell four other associates including dell's wife and mother have been charged as co-conspirators so he sold $3 million plus worth of stolen items on eBay. And now he is facing jail time. So representatives from Home Depot were asked, how could you not notice that people are coming in four to six times a day and literally walking out with stuff? And Home Depot's Response was, we have no response. We're investigating. It's now an internal investigation. All right, let me get Florida out of the way. Let's just do this. Get it over with. So, Florida has a couple of criminals committing burglaries. All right, you know, not that unusual. There are burglaries being committed. But, um... Robert Hobby, who had a hobby of breaking into people's houses, Robert Hobby, age 41, and Marcus Reeves, 23, just not the sharpest tools in the shed. So I reported about a dumb criminal last week who fell asleep on the sofa, and when the owner of the house came home, they were able to come in, leave, call the police, and this guy was still asleep when the police got there. Well... These two left their wallet at the scene of the crime with their driver's license in it. So the police just had to pick up the wallet. They went to his house, knocked on the door, and <laughs> Hobby saw the police, knew the jig was up. That's it. And began confessing immediately. He didn't ask for a lawyer. And both men were were arrested immediately, and now they're in the Gold Star Hotel. And these two idiots face 14 charges combined with grand theft and burglary. Now, I'm thinking if they're in Florida 
I'm really glad that these two didn't cross paths with the pastor because these are real criminals. These aren't guys in a halfway house who are confused and maybe addicted to things. If, if the pastor had gotten together with Hobby and his buddy, yeah, yeah, Reeves and Hobby and this pastor, yeah, they would have been John Gotti all over again. And they left their they left their wallet with their driver's license and their address in their wallet. <laughs> it was probably the easiest crime they've ever committed. That's all. <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> okay, so I have a story about that. Humane Society story that now let me just bring you up to speed in case you missed last week's story. Um, the San Diego Humane Society had, um, well, they were overwhelmed with animals. So they had uh, rabbits and guinea pigs and various animals that they needed to, they needed the room. So Tucson, Arizona Humane Society said, well, we'll, we'll take these animals. There's like 300 animals. We'll take them and we'll get them homes and we'll take care of it. Well, Steve Farley, the CEO of the Humane Society out there in Arizona, and the COO, Christian, he is not, Gonzalez, what they did was they sold these little animals to a snake farm, yeah, for food. So... The animals have not been located, and they're suspected to have been probably vacuum-packed into packaging for snakes. <sighs> Farley issued a statement last week saying it's important to know that I had no involvement in the transportation or placement of these animals to Maricopa County. Yeah, that was San Diego who sent them out there expecting you guys to find homes not to make them into snake food. But um, the weird thing is that um, the Humane Society of Southern Arizona, they said that we apologize for how long it's taken for the Humane Society to respond to recent events that have negatively impacted the organization's representative. In this letter, I will explain everything that we know as of October 5th, 2023, about the transfer of approximately 318 small animals from the Humane Society in San Diego to the Humane Society in Southern Arizona on August 7th. Well, the information presented here is based both on internal research as well as preliminary findings of an independent outside investigation. Okay, you know, I mean, this story really sickens me because here's the thing the animals were apparently transferred to this other entity operated by a guy named mr jones mr jones and mr jones apparently is the brother of trevor jones who facilitated the animals to be transferred to this snake farm for food so this Farley guy and Christian Gonzalez, they are fired and they will be brought up on charges. And the Maricopa uh, Sheriff's Department, they're doing their investigation and these two guys are going to be facing the music because 
um, Mr. Jones was only able to return 64 of the 318 animals put into their care to find homes. And, you know, Trevor Jones routinely facilitated animal adoptions, but this time they thought nobody was going to be following these animals, and these animals were, yeah, they were like Chris, like uh, Chris Farley, like uh, Steve Farley and, and Christian Gonzalez, they were terminated and they were sent there to be put into homes and adopted. So I was really upset about that, but I'm glad to know that these two will not be returning to take care of animals ever again. And they will be brought up on charges and they will be tried and i'm hoping i'm hoping that that you know if everything i'm reading everything that i've investigated turns out to be right yeah uh, i'm i'm hoping that they're going to be doing some jail time i mean i don't know how they're going to explain in jail what are you in for well um <sighs> see they gave us these um guinea pigs <laughs> i don't think this is going to go well at all anyway um, yeah, Steve Farley and Christian Gonzalez are out, and I don't know how they're going to find another job. So, uh, I, I, I am devastated that this happened, but, um, I'm glad somebody did track, you know, these animals to see what was going on, and I'm, I'm deeply bothered by the fact that, you know, that they were... Anyway, that they were just kind of sacrificed, if you will. Okay, I've got one more story before we um, <clears throat> bring in the great Gerardo. And that story is the fact that I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about Hugh Jackman and the fact that he was getting divorced from his longtime love, the love of his life, Deborah, after 27 years of marriage. And I said, I thought this was probably one of those marriages that would just last forever. And preliminary reports are showing that apparently Deborah, the love of his life, um, had an affair and Hugh Jackman just could not take it and was immediately out of the marriage. Now here's a twist to what happened because he gets, Hugh Jackman figures out that she's having an affair or she's cheating on him and he says, all right, fine. <laughs> so now he's a single guy. And he's very popular, very talented, very, very beloved in the, in the entertainment world. Only to find out that Jennifer Aniston has had a crush on him for some time. And Sofia Vergara who she and her magic Mike husband just split up and got divorced. And Sofia Vergara also has a crush on Hugh Jackman. And to throw it in the mix, Reese Witherspoon, who is actually friends with Jennifer Aniston, also has a crush on Hugh Jackman. And all of them would like to date him. Now, if I'm Hugh Jackman, and I'm not saying you, you got to do this. But if I'm Hugh Jackman, I think what we do 
is we start out with just Jennifer Aniston and Sofia Vergara. We go to dinner, have some drinks, and then um, see how big a crush they've got, you know. And then maybe later on, text Reese to come on over. I, I can't believe three of the hottest women in show business all have a crush on on Hugh Jackman. But yes, they do, and they've admitted it publicly, and they have no problem with the idea of wanting to date him, even casually. So I'm uh, I'm surprised <laughs> that that Jennifer Aniston has got her eye on Hugh Jackman, and that Sofia Vergara has her eye on you, and Reese Witherspoon. So you know what? Um, <laughs> what do, what do I have to say to Hugh Jackman? Uh, I just. Yeah, that pretty much says it all. Okay, my next story before we bring on Gerardo is um, Diane Feinstein passed away at the age of 90. Now, Mitt Romney had just announced that, that people in Congress and, and the Senate and everything, they're just too old. They're out of touch. And basically, it's the most entitled rest home in the country. And they're drawing these enormous salaries and they're not, I mean, look at Mitch McConnell. He's fallen asleep at the podium. He's just freezing up. I mean, so he's saying, yeah, people that when they get to a certain age, they should not hold that job anymore. They should not have that responsibility. And like within five days of Mitt Romney saying, look, I'm stepping down. I'm not going to stick around like a fossil and, and wait until like it's just embarrassing and Diane Feinstein is being wheeled in and she she doesn't know what direction anything is. I mean, she couldn't she couldn't find her desk, you know, at the Capitol if you gave her a map. And then she passes away. Now, you know, okay. She, yeah, she died. She served she served her country, you know, as best she knew how. But the, one of the things I remember about Diane Feinstein was when the Night Stalker, Richard, Richard Ramirez, was going around slicing throats around the California coast, the police let Diane Feinstein in on the fact that they knew the knife that kept getting used in these killings, and they knew what knife they were looking for, and they were not going to release that to the public. Well, in an idiotic move, Diane Feinstein holds a press conference to say, hey, we've got a piece of information. We've got a piece of evidence we're looking for because we know the knife that's being used. Well, years later, after Richard Ramirez was convicted and sentenced to death and the left rest of his life in prison, blah, 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 Richard Ramirez admitted that when he saw that press conference, he tossed that knife off the San Francisco Bridge. He right off the Golden Gate Bridge. That was it. And they have never found that knife. And he said, yeah, I threw it right off the bridge. I mean, I knew they were looking for that knife. If they caught me with that knife, they could have attacked, attached me to all those murders. And I thought, Diane, shut up. <sighs> so Diane Feinstein, yes, blew it. And kind of put the police back a few steps because now they don't have what they're looking for. So 
I remember that about Diane Feinstein. And yeah, she did a, she did an okay job as a representative, but she wasn't great. And she stuck around about 15 or 18 years too long. So I agree with Mitt Romney. Yeah, there should be a cap. You, know, you get to 70, 72, whatever. That's it. You're done. You don't, you don't stick around and be doing this job until you're 80, 85, 90. Come on. You know, retire. Walk away from it. Leave it alone. Anyway, I'm going to get the great Gerardo on the phone. And we're going to talk a little bit about football. And we're going to talk about one of the biggest flubs in NCAA football history. So give me a moment to line that up. And I'll get you right back on with the great Gerardo. Is this the great Gerardo? This is him. How you doing? <laughs> hey, man. How you doing? I wanted well. I, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. I didn't realize how big of a of a fan favorite you'd been. I'd promised to have you on a couple of weeks ago. Remember, uh, you and I talked, and then then some other things happened in our lives, and I ended up doing the podcast without you. But boy, I got a bunch of hell after that. <laughs> like, hey, where's that guy that knows everything about football? Uh, as a matter of fact, I have a friend of mine that. Um, uh, well, a friend of mine passed away about six or eight months ago, and he was the godfather of of his nephew. And so now I have stepped into those shoes, and he is a huge fantasy football guy. And when he found out that I was going to be interviewing you again, he wanted to be here for the interview. He wanted to talk fantasy football. I said, I've got him for like 15, 20 minutes. I'll have you guys chat on the on the show another time because he's like he's like 38 years old and a fantasy football lunatic. So so Boss Ross will be will be chatting with you the next time I have you on because I promised him next time, next time. There's a lot of responsibility with being a godfather. <laughs> gotcha. No, I'd love to chat about fantasy football. Okay. Well, he would love it too, and I'll I'll just stay in my lane, you know. Um, so let me ask you something because nobody knows NCAA football better than you do. And before we get into talking about um, the NFL, let's talk about what happened with Miami and Georgia Tech when. Um, And that is a text. That is a text coming in for Gerardo. Hello. Yeah, did you drop? Did you drop the call? Or did I? I don't know. I think the call just dropped. I just hit the drop button, but hopefully that'll be the last time it drops. That'll be the last time. So I know you follow NCAA football better than anybody. I mean, you're. Uh, I mean, I couldn't believe how you predicted almost the entire first round of the NFL draft. But I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about now, let me, let me let the listeners know who, who didn't watch the game, unless you want, do you want to explain what happened with the Miami and, and Georgia tech? You got it. I'll just comment on it, but you're a good storyteller. You got it. <laughs> okay. So at the end of a football game, when you've got the lead and you want to just run out the clock, you snap the ball and take a knee. And that just keeps the clock running. It counts as a, as, a, as a running play. And the clock just keeps going. Miami, with the lead, all they need to do is what everyone knows is to take a knee. 
And instead, Miami decides to run an actual running play. They hand it off, and the running back goes through the through the line of scrimmage and fumbles. Georgia Tech gets the ball back and manages to navigate the ball down the field. And with one second left, they turn a 20-17 lead into 23-20. And they beat Miami in a game where all Miami, Miami had to do was kneel down. Now, I mean, what is your... What is, your t- is that the dumbest move you've ever seen in college football? Um, I think it's confusing. I think if you, I think any coach, maybe there's just mismanagement with the time with the game clock, because I think any coaching staff in America, they see that and they're taking the knee. Um, but I don't know if there's a philosophy where they tell the right. Call ended. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. You know what? You know what? That was really strange. Did you hear that happen? Yeah. I yeah. I actually kept. That, I actually know. kept but recording because all of a saying, sudden. I mean, they had to mismanage the clock, but if they didn't, and they had the intention of just, um, you know, like handing the ball off, I think they should have told the running back, "Hey, obviously you're two hands on the ball, but." Once you once you're down, like I would just not even try to make contact with any defensive player on that. I would think I would just run to the sideline and then slide and then not go out of bounds and not risk, you know, getting stripped. Because once that running back went through the hole, like you said, he had two, three guys ripping the ball out, and that's just not a smart play. So I don't know what they were thinking. They should probably should have just taken the knee. I think any coach would. Sure, of course. Everybody on the field. Someone's getting fired for not managing the. Well, that coach, that coach has admitted his wrongdoing. He's, you know, he just said, "I blew the call." But I'm thinking, if I'm in the huddle, like you and I have both played football. I played CFL football, and I played football obviously growing up in New York. And you, I mean, you're a football player. You're a good football player. But if you're in the huddle. And it's victory formation, which victory formation is just take a knee, run out the clock, and let's go home. And if you're in the huddle and they're calling a play, isn't somebody saying, hey, there's 33 seconds left on the clock. Let's just, let's just run it out. <laughs> yeah, I think that has to do more with the relationship, I think, with the players and coaches, like, do as you're told. Um but I think they probably feared the consequence of like, oh, I take the knee, game's over, but I still get yelled at Monday morning for not listening. But even if that's the case, right, and you're and you're telling the running back, hey, if we hand the like we're gonna hand the ball off to you, like literally just before even you get hit, just go down. But hope I mean, if I'm an offensive lineman or the quarterback, I, I'm using like my leadership voice, being like, hey guys, like. That's probably a mistake. Let's just take a knee, take this one home. If the coaches get mad at us, they get mad at us. But I think as a player, you're probably just shocked with the call. You're probably like questioning, like, oh, like, is there more time than there actually is? Like, maybe they thought Georgia Tech had a timeout left. I think there's a lot of things that probably went in their head as a player where you can't double check that within the huddle. And they probably just trusted the coaching staff that was making the right decision, but it clearly was not. Yeah, in those stadiums, you got those monster scoreboards, and there it is. It's to timeouts. You could see how. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
and and you'd be and, surprised though, like if players don't look at that. I mean, you're probably like they they probably was like there's probably some obscure reason why coaches doing this. Like let's just do as we're told type of thing because that's that's how college football. I mean, you know, that's how college football is. Like you're you're a soldier. 18, 20, yeah, yeah you do as you're told. Right, you're a soldier. You know, you just take yeah. your orders. But I mean, I wa- I happen to watch that, and and I watch college football now, thinking of you because I mean, you're you're the smartest guy I know in college football. I mean, you should be on on Saturday mornings with Lee Corso. I mean, you should be right there at the desk. But when I saw that play unfolding, and then and then Georgia Tech managed to get that completion with one second left on the clock to win the game. It didn't matter that they missed the extra point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I feel for the the the, the camera it automatically went to the Miami offensive lineman. He was just mouthing like, you know, what what the f are we doing, bro? Like, I think it reality hit for him. Like, we should have just took the knee. But I think that just, if anything, it gives the you know the typical viewer like, hey, like this is the dynamic of college football. Like these guys do as they're told, even if it's wrong, like they have to do it or else they face the consequences of not doing it. Okay. I know I only, I only have you for about 12 more minutes. I, I know you have a busy schedule and I, and first of all, I, I want to thank you very much for, for making some time. I mean, we literally had to coordinate this a week in advance to slot off this time for you to do the show. So I want to thank you very much because I'm tired of listening to it from, from listeners about where is he? Where is he? Like, like you're the Bible yeah, of football. <laughs> I, I enjoy this stuff now. So thanks for having me. Thank you. So, so what was your take on the Owen four bears showing up in Washington and beating the commanders on Thursday night football? Like, like, I, I mean, I think 99% of the country was picking the commanders, right? Yeah, I think um, I think with the Bears, too, though, I mean, they have a lot of explosive. I mean, you know, they're the Bears, right? But you can't take anything away from Justin Fields and DJ Moore and honestly any NFL players or any NFL team. Like, the saying goes, any team can win on any given Any given day. Sunday, yeah. Yeah, right. so I mean, you, we can't take away the fact that they do have some dudes on offense that can make plays, and that was obviously shown. But I think that just goes to show, like, I think the stat was Justin Fields, his completion percentage and, like, y- like yards throwing the game were just through the roof when he got the ball out of his hands in under three seconds. Under three seconds, so, yeah. Yeah, so, like, really making the decision process, like, really easy. You know, if one's not there, go to my two, go to my check down. Um I'm honestly, no one's really like sold. Like the commander's offense isn't something that's like super scary to anyone. So, I mean, if you're trying to get into a shootout when DJ Moore feels like every time he's touching the ball, he's scoring a touchdown, like that, that game got out of hand pretty fast. But it just goes to show, like, if these these rookie or young quarterbacks, if they, you know, give them time to progress and learn an offense, like they're good players. I feel like everyone has this notion where. If you're not a dude out the gate, then you're a bust. But in reality, a lot of the great quarterbacks sat for like a couple of years. But nowadays, if you're a top pick and you're going to a team at the one or three slot, like Fields went three, I believe. Top, If you're a top 10 pick, you're going to play right away. You're probably not going to be surrounded by a bunch of quality talent, so it's going to hinder your play. In, in, that, so. in that draft, I did not want my Jets to go with number two and take Zach Wilson. I wanted Justin Fields. I, that was the pick I wanted. And I, I talked to you about this. I said, you know what? I couldn't believe 
they went with Zach Wilson, you know, I mean, he's about as useless as the Wilson in the movie Castaway. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but, but yeah, Justin, Justin Fields, you know, they've had a lot of internal and external struggles with, with the bears, but they really put it together. I mean, dropping 40 on the commanders. I was very impressed. Now in London, the Jaguars played their second of two games in two weeks. So they just stayed there, you know, and they, they didn't even come back. They just stayed in London um, for, for the next game against the bills. And then the Jaguars turn around and I think they pretty much dominated the bills. Yeah, no, ETN, I mean, his run game was very efficient. I think it just goes to show, too, like, that travel does take a big toll on NFL players. I mean, it's not good to be in the air for that long and do all that traveling. I think the Jaguars were the acclimated team, and that really served them well. And I think the Bills are under a lot of pressure to perform right now, and you add that with, you know, long travel. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah, they they really gotten comfortable out there, and then the Bills showed up a little jet lag, and and I think the Bills looked at it like, oh, we're the Bills, you know, we got this, and um, all of a sudden the Bills were fighting for their lives, and um, and lost. I mean, as simple as that. Now, now Jonathan Taylor coming back to the Colts, I thought he was going to be a much bigger factor, but just the fact that he was out there, I think was, you know, I mean, Colts won by I think one score over the Titans, but I think Jonathan Taylor just being there was was a factor, don't you? Yeah, I know, totally. I think they did mention they're going to ease him back into play. I think, you know, coming off that supposed injury and all that sorts of contract dispute, Zach Moss was really running the ball well and playing well, and I think um, you don't want to mess that up in terms of just taking his workload and just giving it to Jonathan Taylor. I think we'll probably see something similar this week where, you know, Taylor probably gets a couple more touches and then they'll eventually be splitting time. And then, you know, obviously if you're going to pay a guy that much money, he will be your featured back. But, you know, like, the, I mean, from the Colts side, like Zach Moss has been very, very productive for them. And you don't just want to turn that away to, you know, a guy coming back week one, you want an easier, now very expensive running back back into play. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I mean, I... I... I got I got a question on our on the next game that was from last week. Now I mean I think that people had the Texans maybe one in sixteen this year, but the Texans are not as bad as people thought. I mean, they, no, they're no, playing they're competitive not. ball, don't you think? No, yeah, they have you know good running back in Pierce, and I think Stroud. I think what he's doing now is like what the next steps for a guy like Justin Fields or like. You know, this is what Bryce Young was really good at, just getting the ball out of your hand and, you know, just making your first read. And, like, Stroud still hasn't thrown a pick. I think what he's doing well as a rookie quarterback is, like, you have to stay on your first read if that's not there. Go to check number two. Don't try to make the big play all the time because that's when, you know, stuff can go bad. And I think the Texans organization is a good organization in terms of supporting um Stroud and you know Tank Dell, the other rookie receiver, he was someone that Stroud vouched for in the drafts, and I think you know when the Texans took him, it set a good relationship with Stroud and like built the trust. I think it's easy for a team to get behind, you know, a young core when the young core feels like they're fully supported with the organization. I think I think the game has slowed down for C.J. Stroud, and I don't 
and you know, I beat up on Zach Wilson pretty bad, even though he outperformed Mahomes one one game out of five this year. He, he outperformed the other quarterback, but um, but I think C.J. Stroud, I think his, I think his vision on the field. I think things have slowed down. I think he's gotten a little kind of Spider-Man-ish. Like he sees things way before they're happening. I'm very impressed with him. Yeah, his composure is good. I think he has really good touch. And this is all things that everyone said about him, but I think a lot of the times it doesn't like come to fruition right away. But for him, it's very good composure and pocket presence. And, you know, he's just playing good ball. Well, I mean, I think you'd agree with me that, you know, what, what these guys do in college and what these guys do at the Combine in Indianapolis, you know, this when it gets to the NFL, it's it's all that, you know, cubed. You know, it's all that tripled. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's not, here, let me roll out and just 15 yards and throw a ball, you know, 40 yards on a laser. Like, that's not the NFL. The NFL is hitting your check downs, hitting, making the right decision. It's not running a four six forty in a straight line. It's, you know, reading the right cut, right. reading the right gap. Right. right. And I yeah. think the Falcons, I think they, they got out by the skin of their teeth on that late field goal. I mean, they're down 1918 and they kick a late field goal and they win the game, get on the plane and run. I mean, they, they shouldn't have won that game and Falcons got lucky, but the Falcons at three and two, you know, we'll kind of keep an eye on them. I'm, st- I'm still impressed with the fact that the Falcons head coach, is the son of the guy who founded FedEx. <laughs> I mean, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's not working because he has to. He definitely just enjoys the game. Now, does our does does the number one pick, does Bryce Young, does he find a way to get a win? Does he get one in the win column? I mean, they're 0-5. Yeah, they went against the Lions, and the Lions dropped 40 on them. But, I mean, does Bryce Young... You know, do they get in the win column, the Panthers, or are they just not good enough this year? I think they will. I think it's very hard for a team of very, like, prideful NFL guys to just sit there and be like, all right, we're not going to win anything this year. Um, I think they'll get into a couple close games or a couple, like, dogfights where, you know, if they smell blood in the water, they'll probably run away with one or two. Um, so you I think they think go 2-15? and 15? I think they'll win one or two. I think they'll they'll definitely string take string some wins. Hopefully, okay. I just don't see a I just don't see a locker room of NFL guys being satisfied with not winning a game. And like we said, like we saw with the Bears, like you know, any team can win on any given Sunday. And if a team isn't prepared for the Panthers, or they overlook it, or you know, you going into a team that's dealing with injuries, I think the Panthers could put something together. Well, here's I've got my next my next game from last week is one of my three biggest questions to you and and two of my three biggest questions I got so many people either direct messaging me or texting me to ask you got to ask the great Gerardo by the way they don't call you Gerardo you're the great Gerardo they just routinely say it now so they said you got to ask the great Gerardo Mac Jones has just been outscored about 80 to 3 in the last 2 weeks. Saints went 34 nothing on him last week and for the second week in a row Mac Jones gets benched. Where are we with Mac Jones and where is I mean, you know the you know the old chicken and the egg which came first thing? Yeah. Okay. People used to ask, you know, can Tom Brady win without Belichick? Can Belichick win without Tom Brady? 
does one win with because of the other? And that was like the question for 20 years. Well, Brady leaves and immediately wins the Super Bowl. So that answers that question. But now I got to say, Belichick, who was being considered and looked upon as maybe the great, the greatest NFL coaching mind in football history, all of a sudden doesn't look so brilliant because he hasn't really won anything since Brady left. And now they've given up about 80 and scored three, and they just lost 34 nothing. So last week they lost, was it 30, 37 to three or 38 to three? And that was the worst defeat he'd ever, Belichick had ever suffered. And then he's, then he loses the very next week, 34, nothing. And I'm like, okay, is Mac Jones on the clock? Well, I think going back to your Brady thing, Brady left for a good situation, right? Like the Bucks were a very good team. And I think the way the NFL is right now, um, like Mac Jones, the type of quarterback that would be serviceable in a team that's very strong around him. I'm not saying he'll be like Brock Purdy with the 49ers because Purdy's a very good quarterback in his own sense. But Mac Jones isn't going to run around and get you a bunch of yards or just, you know, have the arm of a Josh Allen. Like he needs very... He needs a solid O-line, he needs a good run game to set up the pass game. And I think I look at that New England team and I'm like, that's just not an offense that's built for Mac Jones to succeed. But I also don't think it's like, you know, you lose your top draft pick in Christian Gonzalez, the corner. And I think, you know, is Mac Jones that guy? No. But is it also his fault that the offense is like not doing well? I would say that that finger could be pointed at multiple position groups in multiple ways. Like, does he have a truly number one receiver? No. Is, is he protected? Well, I mean, obviously if the team can't score a touchdown, the run game's not really there. So um, I think it's both. I think, you know, he's not going to be that guy, but I think in terms of what the NFL is today, it's a very offensive powerhouse league. And with these new younger coaches, like Belichick's a defensive guy, right? Yes, but you still need the you still need the offensive guru type of coach to come in and set a good foundation where you attract guys around the league to want to be there. And I think you know that's part of it. But you also need a, a lot of talent, like a quarterback, to attract those guys too. And I don't think a lot of the guys in the league look at you know the offensive scheme or Mac Jones and be like, you know, I I want to go to New England. Like we didn't see that happen. So I think. The answer is probably in the draft to get some exciting new talent and then probably start from there. So you think Mac Jones should stay where he is and they build around him? Or do you think Mac Jones maybe find someplace I else? Think he beca- I think he'll probably become a backup somewhere else. I think he'll be a really, really good backup in that. And NFL. that's what I think, I too. Think, I think he'll be that type of guy that has a good career as like a journeyman. But I think... If you want to solve the problem quicker, you probably need to get a young and like quarterback talent that attracts people, like you know, like a CJ Stroud or you know, even those young, like an Anthony Richardson. Like you know, that's the new type of quarterback in the NFL. But you, you know, I'm you want- I'm big on Anthony Richardson. It broke my heart when he went down and pointed at his shoulder in that in that indie game. He just laid there and was pointing at his shoulder. I thought, oh no, no, yeah. he hit the roof of the combine. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. but I think, you know, it's like, yeah, he's one of those quarterbacks where you definitely need a good supporting cast, good, strong foundation, and that's every quarterback in the NFL, but especially for Mac Jones, where he's not going to throw the ball off the roof and not, you know, he's not going to run by a defender, so. 
Okay, we're not going to go through every single game, but let me ask you something about um, about the um, the Eagles and the Rams ended up in a bit of a dogfight. The Rams have shown that they've got some game. I thought the Rams were going to be maybe a three, four, five win game team rather, and now it looks like the Rams are on the verge of winning each week. Like they look like they're close each week. What do you think of the Rams? I mean, they gave the Eagles a fight. And the Eagles, you know, kind of squirted out of there. I think they won by 10 or something. But but the Rams let them know, you know, you're not walking over us. No, yeah, I think that their offense can keep them in games. I think, you know, you have Matt Stafford, who's obviously a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You have a great receiving core with Puka and Cup coming back. I think that defense, as long as you have Aaron Donald, you have a chance. So I think teams forget that. This is a team that still thinks that still has a championship mentality with the coach that is always going to be a front runner in terms of creativity and just making sure that the game plans there. So yeah, the the Rams are no cakewalk for any team. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Now, real quick, you know, my Jets beat up on the Broncos. I I don't know if you watched that game at all, but all of a sudden we're watching it. I'm in a Jets bar, and everybody was looking at everybody else saying. This is not the same Broncos defense we've seen for four games this year. This It seems like they've stolen a couple of pages from the San Francisco defense. They've stolen a couple of pages from the Eagles defense. They've stolen a couple of pages from the Miami Dolphins defense. And they're playing a different kind of defense. And all of a sudden, the Jets had to do an adjustment. Yeah, the, the Jets won. But I, frankly, I think the, the Jets won in spite of Jet, Zach Wilson. I think they won... Because even though they had to kind of get around Zach's bad play, I think our defense won that game. But what did you think of the of the Broncos' defense in Week Five? No, yeah, I think they definitely made adjustments. I think a lot of teams are going to go into games playing the Jets, thinking, "Let's make Zach Wilson beat us." Um, but you know, I think the Jets have a good run game, and I think that needs to continue if Wilson, if the Jets want to help Zach out. I think Zach still has the potential to be a very serviceable quarterback. I think the notion of everyone bagging and hating on him isn't good for the Jets in general just because he wants to feel supported. And honestly, that was supposed to be an offense built around Aaron Rodgers and not Zach Wilson. Exactly. Everyone. So yes. everyone has to remember that Like, if Zach probably looks better now if the offense was his from last year. But you get new OC with Nathaniel Hackett, and you have you know Aaron Rodgers come in. Obviously, the new scheme and plan will be around a guy like A Rod, and then he gets hurt first drive of the season, and you throw Zach in there. Yeah. It's like, hey, we need to remember that this scheme was meant for a future Hall of Famer, right? And you still have a young quarterback, so I think he's doing the best he can. I think he'll still improve and needs the support, but yeah, I, I think it's really funny that um, New York News was reporting the fact that Zach Wilson wanted to order a pizza. And when they found out it was Zach Wilson, they didn't want to deliver it to him. So Zach had to get somebody else to order the pizza for him to get it delivered. <laughs> Tough life in New York. <laughs> I mean, they're just not going to put up with it, and that's all there is to it. But you're exactly right. That 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 whole team, even the defense, everything was crafted around Aaron Rodgers. 
And now Zach is not Aaron Rodgers. Zach is is not Mr. Rodgers. I mean, Zach Zach is just he had at least another year of of watching greatness and and yeah, Aaron's talking on the Pat McAfee show about how he's planning on coming back this year if the Jets can find their way to getting into playoff contention, which I think would be fantastic. But you know, we'll we'll you and I will we'll we'll visit that maybe in a month or so. We'll we'll take a take a look as the season starts winding down. Um, the other big question I had for you was Chiefs. Yeah, they beat the Vikings, they, but they beat them by you know one score. They beat them by one touchdown, and I'm wondering if the Kelsey Taylor Swift sideshow, the circus that's going on with um, you know with the Swifties following her private jet into Minnesota, and and then looking for her at the game. I mean, I'm wondering if that is is not a distraction for the Chiefs because they don't seem to be playing Chiefs ball. Do you think so? I don't think it's a distraction. I think, honestly, I think they're the team that could has the potential to like always win a game because they have Patrick Mahomes and turn it on. Um, you know, in the past, it was Patrick Mahomes' wife and brother getting the attention, which was a lot more negative than the positive attention that you know the Chiefs are getting with Taylor Swift. But I feel like you know that's will probably last until it's like a full hard launch. But I think at the same time, the NFL guys, they see celebrities at games all the time. And honestly, the coaches definitely do not care at all in terms of like who's there watching. And then players are playing for their paycheck and for their career. So I think in the grand scheme of things, a lot of outside noise, but I think it definitely doesn't affect how they're playing. Okay. My last big team is just, Teams nope. just definitely give them their best shot because they're the Chiefs. You know, you don't think that you don't think it's compromising because Kelsey, ever since this Taylor Swift thing, his numbers have dropped. His his completions per game, his yards per, per after the catch, everything has gone down since. He had that knee thing though in the beginning of the year, right, where he missed the first game, and then he had like a foot injury this past week. So I mean, he's definitely had some nagging stuff that's been happening to him. So. Maybe okay. he's losing sleep because he's with Taylor, but who knows about that? <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did say something funny in an interview. He said that uh, they they asked, you know, what's it like being with Taylor and then playing football the next day, and he said if Taylor Swift was a, a football player, she'd be flagged for roughing. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> now, my last big question is, you know, we all saw the Sunday night explosion where the Niners just blew up the Cowboys. Um, Niners, to me, are the best team in football. I mean, they're just showing no t- no sign of slowing down. They don't even show signs of, of hitting speed bumps. But I look at the Cowboys, and there were high hopes for the Cowboys, and they got demolished. Yeah, I think it's just the tale of, like, two different teams, right? Like, you have the sustained success from the Niners. It's like an expectation where... Dallas, it's, you know, you, you reach a high, but then, like, a low comes directly after. It's not really something that's sustained, as in recent years. But I think it just goes to show that defense is a monster for the 49ers, and it really lays down an offense. And yeah. also that offensive line and offensive scheme for the Niners. I mean, you have CMC in the backfield. You have that offensive line of Trent Williams anchoring it, right? But 
I think the main thing is you see Fred Warner. I saw a video clip of Fred Warner covering a crossing route and then went to go take away a check down and then went to go after the sack of her Dak, threw his hands up to, you know, avoid him throwing it to another receiver and ends up sacking him. And if that's what you're dealing with as an offense of just a 49ers defense like that, it takes away a lot of options, right? So I just think that defense is too legit. And I think, you know, they have to be the best team in the NFL right now. Oh, I, I, I think there's that. no doubt they're all by themselves. I mean, you know, when you watched they're Hard Knocks with the, with the New York Jets, yeah, they were sitting there thinking, okay, with Aaron Rodgers, it might be the Jets and the Niners. Those are the best two teams. But um, okay, so you and I are gonna, you and I are gonna. Before I, I, I know, I, I know, I know, I've kept you longer. We always get caught up talking. I mean, when you and I met, we chatted away, man. We just have that chemistry. But real quick, okay, we got Thursday. You got the Chiefs hosting the Broncos. Obviously, Chiefs should walk away with that, right? Yep, I agree. Okay. Ravens and Titans. To me, I'm scratching my head a little bit because I'm wondering about the Ravens. What do you think? Yeah, I've I mean they obviously lose that close game. I don't think they I don't think they drop two in a row. I think they're the type of team that can bounce back pretty quick, so I will take the Ravens. Good. <laughs> I think I think you and I are on the same page so far. Um Commanders after that loss. To the Bears. They're going against the Falcons. I got to think, right? Commanders? Um, I, I I think Atlanta's an interesting team. I think, I mean, I'm a big Drake London fan. And I think with, you know, Bijan, I think the Falcons surprise a lot of people. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Commanders find themselves another close one where the Falcons find a way to, like, sneak a win if they're not able to control the ground game and like lose control of the game, if the Falcons control the line of scrimmage and just can take control of possession. So I, I'm not a big commander's fan in this one. I think okay. I take the Falcon. All right. All right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning. I like, I felt like it was a coin toss. I'm leaning toward the commanders. I'm thinking they got to make some changes. They got to make some adjustments and they can't, they can't lose two in a row in that division, that division you can't you can't drop two in a row. You just can't. So uh, the Niners they should be able to dismantle the Browns. I think we're both in agreement on that. Um, Saints yep. and Saints and Texans. Now we were just talking about Texans and no pushover, but the Saints and that defense. What do you think? No, I think the Saints. I think for the more mature older team, I think this is a game where. Caesar Stroud plays a good game, but I just think they're not at the point yet where they can hang with the Saints. So I'll take the Saints. Okay. Um, Panthers, Dolphins. Obviously, we're both going to go with the Dolphins. I mean, the Panthers may get that win, but they're not getting it in Miami. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Tyreek Hill. Yeah, no. Geno Smith is going to Cincinnati. Joe Burrow looks like he's back. He threw for over three hundred yards last week, and people have been questioning that that right calf. What do you think, Seahawks and Bengals? I think the Bengals run away. I think the Bengals get hot. I think they've always had a couple stretches in the season where they, you know, they they rack out, rack off like eight straight wins, six straight wins. I think this is one of those times where the Bengals string together some wins. And get okay, hot. all right. Now Vikings. I mean, they just lost Jefferson, um, and now they got to go face the Bears, who just you know pulled off an upset. Um, 
Justin Fields hosting Kirk Cousins. I'm thinking Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I, he's got a no trade clause, but I I mean the 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 sand is going through the hourglass on his career, don't you think? Yeah, I think there will be a lot of teams who will find him as like a suitor. Um, I think he's still a very serviceable quarterback. I think he's like obviously a tear up from Mac Jones. I think he's been a good quarterback for a long time, but I just think his fit on the Vikings doesn't make sense right now because the Vikings aren't going to go anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, he's a, he's a square peg and there's just round holes in front of him. I agree with you on that. I completely agree with you. Um, Jaguars just upset the Bills in London, but they did have to fly back. Now they're facing the Colts, and Jonathan Taylor's getting weaned back into the system. What do you think in that game? Uh, I think my gut tells me to go with the Colts, but I just I don't want to count out a team with a better quarterback in Trevor Lawrence and you know his connection with Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk and those guys and Travis Etienne. I think the, I think this is the year the Jaguars really take control of the AFC South, so I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Yeah, see, I, I picked the Jaguars also because they go to London one and two, and they leave three and two. I got to think their confidence is way up. Yep, I agree. So Mac, <laughs> Mac Jones, Raiders just pulled off the upset against Green Bay on Monday Night Football. Now Patriots have to go to Las Vegas and face the Raiders. What do you think? I'm taking my Raiders. Yeah, Raiders. I have a, yeah. I'll have a good game plan, I think. Uh, yeah, Raiders. They're a very pissed-off team after that Chargers game. I think they are a lot of self-inflicted wounds, so I think they'll be on a mission to play a clean game, and I think if they do that, if you play a clean game against the Patriots, I think they'll come away. And them. by the way, I got into a big conversation with several guys at the gym, and they'll, they'll listen to the show. They know who they are. And I said repeatedly, that was a game the Raiders should have won against the Chargers. They they were right there. That interception, I mean, that they were right there. They were ready to put this thing into overtime. There. I was there. I was there, yeah. I, I was at the game, and I was like, okay, cool. Let's run the ball in. You know, I think a lot of, you know, a game like that, they have no business winning, giving up that many sacks. But at the same time, the game was right there to win. So I walked away after that game. I was like, you know, there's a lot of things they have to clean up. They didn't deserve to win the game, but at the same time, when the opportunity presents itself to win the game, now are you are you going to be are you going to be at the game with the Jets and Raiders? I will not. Okay, so I'll be texting you. Okay. Okay. Cardinals and the Rams. Cardinals just they got their only win against Dallas, but I mean, it wasn't until after the fact I realized, you know, the Cardinals have beaten Dallas like nine of the last 11 times they've played them in the regular. For some reason, the Cardinals have their number. So the Cardinals beat Dallas, but the Cardinals are one and four. And the Rams, um, with um, uh, Puka? With Puka, yeah. Oh, my God, he's amazing. And he's still in that in that fascinated, like he can't believe he's on the field with Cup. With Cooper Cup, he's like still sitting there going, "I can't believe I'm playing football with Cooper Cup." <laughs> yeah. Now, do you got the Rams? Or you got the Cardinals? I'm taking the Rams. I think they're yeah. more complete offense and more complete defense. I think they'll just be too much. Well, my, my okay. We'll move on to the Lions and Buccaneers. Now, I took the Lions to win that division in the NFC North this year, and I like the way the Lions are playing. I like their attitude, but they're going down to Tampa. 
and they're going to be facing Baker and the and the boys. What do you think? I think the Lions pull this one out. I think you know it'd be a close one. I think the Bucks are surprising a lot of people this year, but I think they seem like a team on a mission this year. I think they have the right head coach. Really gets his guys right every week. So I, I think the Lions are the better team and they'll play like the better team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this coach for the Lions. Kind of reminds me of uh, Ditka with the Bears. Yeah. You know what I mean? Strong personality. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and a guy who looks like he wants to put the pads on. He wants to play. Like he wants to get out there. He cares just as much as the next guy. Yeah, he cares just as much. So you take the Lions. I'm taking the Lions, too. Okay, now obviously this is going to be a blowout, and I feel bad for the Eagles. I feel really bad for the Eagles, but the Jets are hosting the Eagles this week. (laughs) <laughs> i can't even keep a straight yeah. face yeah the eagles the eagles might drop 40 on zach <laughs> they'll probably go down on that quarterback sneak and run it down the whole field <laughs> yeah i'm i'm figuring the eagles i was just kind of having a little fun with you because i don't think zach yeah i mean he's I not gonna zach, string two weeks i mean i think it'd be good for fans if you know zach puts together a good game he showed he can against the chiefs and i think that's the big thing of like opening the playbook for him. I think it shows a lot of trust, and he's able to make those plays. So I think that would be, you know, if the Jets want to stay competitive in this game and not just try to protect Zach Wilson's confidence, they really got to open up the playbook for him. Yeah. Well, the Bills coming off that loss in London to Jacksonville, uh, they're going to be hosting the New York Football Giants. But Daniel Jones is questionable because of the neck injury. I got to figure the Bills run this. They, I think they just run it up on him. I mean, I don't think the yeah, Giants... they're definitely a pissed-off team. So, yeah, I think either way, if Jones plays, I think the Bills would win this game. Okay, now here's the game. Here's the game I've had the most trouble with this week. Cowboys are going to, to SoFi to play the Chargers. What do you think on Monday Night Football? I think... Uh, that is a, that is a And the Chargers are coming off a bye. The Chargers, Chargers are but coming off a bye week. I think the Chargers pull away with this one. Um, just because I trust in a shootout, I trust Justin Herbert more than I do Dak Prescott in terms of, you know, arm talent. I think, you know, Justin Herbert and his offense will be right. And I think the, the Chargers do do a good job on defense of making their adjustments. But, you know, I think Dallas is going to come in with the intention of, you know, trying to, you know, fix that offense of what happened last week. But I think I would take the Chargers because I think Dallas is probably demoralized right now of what just happened. Yeah, I you know I I I'm thinking, I'm thinking if if Dallas doesn't win this week, you know I think the the wind goes out of their sails. I think if they don't make the adjustments after after just getting their jocks handed to them in in San Francisco and Santa Clara, I I'm thinking okay they they have got to, absolutely got to win this game, and if they don't win this game again, that division the NFC East, I mean. I mean, you can't stumble in that division. You just can't. You can't fall back. The Eagles are on a tear. You got to stay with them. So I'm. I'm thinking Dallas. I'm thinking they're gonna. And if McCarthy doesn't make the. You know. By the way, Jerry Jones was just on ESPN today talking about the fact that he is committed to Dak Prescott. He is the guy. Quote. He is the guy that's going to get us to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I don't doubt that. I think. I think if Dallas comes into this game with the urgency, like you said, the, they have a great, better chance to win this game. But 
I, I just if I just think if there's an, a quick turnover for the offense or if, you know, Justin Herbert gets hot, I think it becomes very much so not a situation Dallas wants to be. And I think they really want to run the ball well this game. Okay, well, I tell you what, I mean, you know, you and I were pretty much on the same page, which makes me feel smarter than I am on almost all the picks. But um, I'm going to review it again next week, and I will absolutely be referencing you regularly. And I know I kept you like 20 minutes longer than I promised, but you and I just get carried away, man. I mean, we're going to have to do a road trip at one point or another. But I want to thank the great Gerardo for being a great guest once again and sharing his brilliance about the NFL and about the NCAA. So, Gerardo, thank you very much for coming on the show again and getting me off the hook with being hassled with the listeners. They want you on the show. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. thanks again. Thanks for having me, Jack. I'll talk to you later. All right, take care, my man. That was the great Gerardo, the man, man of the hour, and he knows his stuff. Okay, I am going to talk a little bit about baseball, and then we're going to wrap up the show because I know Gerardo and I went long. So bear with me, and I'm going to size up the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs and what happened in the wild card round. I needed a little breather after uh, Gerardo. The great Gerardo knows so much. Keeping up with him is nearly impossible. So we are. We're going to talk about the baseball playoffs. So now let me explain to you what's happening here. In, in Major League Baseball, what happens is in the first round, the wild card round, there are four teams, two from each each side, from you know, the American League and the National League. Two, the first seed and the second seed, get buys, so they don't have to play the wild card round, so they get a chance to rest. And then in the wild card round, it's a short series. It's a best of three. That's it. Well, in the wild card round, there was really no drama at all. Everybody advanced by sweeping. They just, everybody played two games. There was no drama on like a game three. It was just everybody went in, won two games, and moved on. So Texas Rangers, um, they, you know, they swept Tampa Bay. I mean, it's just amazing what's been happening. I mean, and now... The Dodgers and the Braves in the National League got themselves a bye in the first round, which is fantastic. It's great. But the Marlins went against the Phillies in the wildcard round, and they were out in two games. So no drama there. The Diamondbacks, you remember I was talking about the Diamondbacks had, you know, I thought everybody in the National League West was going home except the Dodgers, but the Diamondbacks kept playing and playing well. And they got themselves into the wild card round and then they went in and swept. They swept the Brewers two games out. Boom, done. Now, I think it's really funny that in the American League, the the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays got into the playoffs along with the Baltimore Orioles. Now, there's only five teams in the American League East. That basically means everybody in the American League East made the playoffs except the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. The two most storied franchises in all of baseball 
did not make the playoffs while everybody else in their division did. So Baltimore ended up with the number one seed. Number one seed. They just cruised right through the first round. They didn't have to play the wild card round. And they're waiting for whoever wins between the Rays and the Rangers. Now, I said earlier in the seat, like, like August, I was saying that I thought the Rangers are just marching right through. And then all of a sudden, the Rangers couldn't seem to win a game. Like, it was just like, what is going on? They couldn't win a game. And they ended up losing that division to the Astros and the Astros end up getting the number two seed. So the Orioles are the number one seed in the American League and the Astros are the number two seed. So Tampa Bay Rays and the Rangers go in the first round and the Rangers smoke the Rays, eliminate the Rays, send them home in two quick games. Well, the Blue Jays go against the Twins and the Twins smoke the Blue Jays. Like I said, there was nothing you know, there was nothing exciting about it. They just, all these teams, you know, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies, the, the Twins, the, the, the Rangers, they just smoked who they went up against, and that was the end of it. So the Blue Jays went home, the Rays went home, and the only team left from the American League East is the Orioles. Well, the Orioles facing the Rangers, and the Rangers are not having any of it. So the Angels, the Angels, <laughs> the Rangers end up winning game one and game two against the Orioles. So you're sitting there going, what is going on here? Rangers win 3-2, Rangers win 11-8. Now the Orioles are the number one seed and they are facing elimination because the first round of the playoffs is a best of three. The second round is a best of five. It's not till the third round and then the championship where it's a best of seven. So now the Orioles, their backs are to the wall. And they're about to to go to Texas now. They have to be they're not they don't even have their home crowd and they have to face the Rangers in Texas. Now I said I said I thought Atlanta, nobody's beating Atlanta. Atlanta's just clobbering everybody. Well, in game one, the Phillies didn't just beat the Braves, but shut out the Braves. And in game two, the Phillies had their foot on the Braves' throat, and the Braves rallied back in the eighth inning. And something happened in game two that has never happened in the history of Major League Baseball playoffs. And what happened was... Each of, the, each of the fielders on the field have a number. That's how you keep score in the, in the book. And the pitcher's number one, the catcher's number two, first baseman's number three, second baseman's number four, third baseman's number five, shortstop six, and then left fielder's seven, center field is eight, and right field is nine. Well, what happened in game two of the Phillies and Braves where the Phillies had Bryce Harper on first base and Bryce Harper represented the tying run. And the Phillies hit a ball to dead center. And it was over the head of the number eight, the center fielder. And the center fielder for the Braves went back about 120 feet and made the catch, bounced off the center field wall, and came off that wall throwing. And he threw it right by the shortstop and the second baseman, who are six and four, respectively. And fortunately, number five, 
the third baseman, was backing them up. And he scooped the ball up and fired over to first base to double up Bryce Harper and end the game. Ended the game on an 8-5-3 double play. It's never happened before. And now it has. Just when you think you've seen everything, you get to see something else. And Bryce Harper rounded second. He was thinking he's going to score because he thought this ball's dropping. And when he realized it was caught, he had to run back to second. He had to retouch second on his way to first. And he didn't get back to first in time, and he knew it. Well, that series is tied between the Phillies and the Braves, one apiece. Now the Dodgers are facing the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are in their own division, so they've got a good look at them. They have faced the Diamondbacks plenty. But the Diamondbacks, you remember I said, they kept playing until they made the playoffs and they had to play through the wild card round. Well, now the Dodgers, the number two seed in a best of five, are down two zip. The Diamondbacks have them two nothing. And the Dodgers have to go to Arizona for game three. And if the Dodgers lose game three, their season is over. So I, I'm, I'm amazed that the Dodgers had an extra week to relax, rest, stretch, get themselves good and healthy and, and fresh. And the Diamondbacks have continued playing. And they played straight through the back half of August all the way through September. And they played playoff ball for the back end of the season. And now they're playing playoff ball in the playoffs. So I'm I'm impressed with what's going on here. And these teams that had woken up and decided they're playing ball. Yeah, well, the Astros and the Twins are playing and the Astros had the first round bye. Well, the Twins are putting up a fight. But the Astros lead that series to zip and the Twins are facing elimination in a best of five. So the Astros have won 6-4, 6-2, and 9-1 the Astros. So the, so the Twins won game two, 6-2, and then the Astros won 9-1. So that series is two to one, and they've got a game four coming up in Minnesota. So Orioles are facing elimination after having a first round bye. Twins facing elimination with the Astros. And whoever wins between the Orioles and Rangers, the Rangers could put the Orioles away and find themselves against the Astros in the ALD ALCS. Braves, yeah, they they they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to start playing the kind of ball they've been playing, and so now that series is tied at one apiece, and the Diamondbacks are ready to eliminate the Dodgers, and that's what's going on in Major League Baseball. And I, I don't know what to say, but that is the deal. So I'm Jack Vecchio, your host of JV to the Pros. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in each week. I want to thank producer Karen, the queen of Queens, New York, for putting together a great show after I get done doing my thing over here. And I had a great time. I want to thank 
the great Gerardo for coming on the show again because the great Gerardo, he's a crowd pleaser, I'll tell you that. So we're going to see how the great Gerardo did this this week on his picks. And frankly, we only were different on a couple of picks. So I'm hoping that he was wrong on those couple of picks and I end up winning. I came within a touchdown of winning my national office pool once again. Oh, I couldn't believe it when that ball dropped into the end zone in Green Bay. I said, oh, you got to catch that. Anyway, broke my heart. That is Season 5, Episode 22 of JV to the Pros. I thank you very much for listening, and I will be back again next week for another installment of JV to the Pros. (laughs) 